Broken trust can be healed, but it's not just time that's going to heal it. You need clear guidance about what to do and what not to do. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've developed a free video course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This course will show you what's needed to begin healing after betrayal. I offer guidance for the betrayed partner as well as the partner who broke the trust. You can access it for free right now by clicking the link in the show notes. Don't you feel like things are just really busy and crazy most of the time? I hear that from a lot of people. I even experience it. I'm trying to slow things down all the time, set boundaries, and get things to calm down and quiet down, both in my mind and in my home. And it's a lot of work. We have a lot of distractions and a lot of busy things going on. But thankfully, there's solutions. And it's nothing brand new. In fact, it's actually a pretty ancient (laughs) practice. We call it uh, mindfulness, meditation, and we're going to talk about that in today's episode. And this is a really great thing for people in recovery from addictions and trauma to practice, to quiet down the mind, quiet down the body. And really, honestly, for everyone, for all of us, it's just so helpful and can reduce stress, improve relationships, improve connection with God. And I have back on the show today, Taylor Chambers, the licensed marriage and family therapist that we had in the previous episode, where he talked with us about porn-resilient parenting. And if you have not listened to that episode, it's fabulous. I want you to go back and listen to it and understand some of these concepts and download the free guide that he has for families and strengthening their homes and helping their kids become more porn-resilient. So please listen to that. But I have him back on the on the podcast today because he actually specializes in helping clients with mindfulness. He's a, a licensed marriage and family therapist, like I said, in private practice, and he does a lot of work teaching people how to slow down. And if you've ever spent any time with Taylor, which I have, he's a very calm and peaceful person. So I know that he lives and practices this all the time, and I actually feel a lot calmer when I'm around him. So I think you'll enjoy listening to him today. So welcome to the podcast, Taylor. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. So this word mindfulness, meditation, people use those interchangeably a lot, and I think it gets thrown around a lot. I think Time Magazine had a big article on mm-hmm, it recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's something that people are talking about, but it's it's really like nothing brand new, right? That This is pretty ancient. Yeah, it, it, ancient is exactly the right word, and I think mindfulness being ancient— I guess I'm more willing to put my trust into something that's, you know, withstood uh, not only centuries but uh, thousands of years. Yeah, it uh, it must work, right? If it if we haven't, uh, you know, dropped it by now, so <laughs> nothing faddish or uh, right cutting edge about this, right? Right, and uh, I think we need a little more of that in our world sometimes. So. Yeah, that's true. Things can get way too complicated, and so it's nice to have something that is time tested. And pretty straightforward, but easy to explain, easy to talk about, hard to do. Yeah, hard to hard to live this. And uh, um, and for those, uh, you know, sometimes we hear the word mindfulness and we don't exactly even know what that means, what we're referring to. So I, I can start there just in terms of yeah. describing what exactly, you know, what it is that we're talking about. So um, you know, mindfulness is a state of mind, to, to put it simply. And um, so if you think, I'm, I'm sure we've all been in that scenario where we're sitting in the room and, you know, there are half dozen other people around us and we're looking at our phone and then all of a sudden we kind of look up and just notice that there are like five silent people sitting in the room looking at their phones, right? <laughs> 
And all the, all yep. of a sudden, we we you know we we kind of lift our gaze up from the phone, and we realize, oh, we're in this room, and this you know everybody is kind of mentally elsewhere, but we're all here, right? Um, and uh, it, you know, um, sometimes it'll even just happen with my wife and I, right? We're in the same room, and we're just like, oh, you're here, right? Okay, so mindfulness, uh, you know, you you can kind of feel the difference of when you're when you're zoned into the phone versus you almost like feel like you kind of wake up and you're like, Oh yeah, I'm right here. This is what's going on in reality around me right now. And this is the, the, the state of mind that we're trying to be in, you know, as often as we, as we possibly can. Um, and so, uh, you know, a, a definition of mindfulness is being aware of what's going on in the present moment, um, without judging it. Mm-hmm. And so that can include stuff that's going on inside of your head, uh, stuff inside your body, what's going on in your surroundings, um, but becoming more aware of what's actually right here, right now. And that piece of not judging it, right? A lot of times we see, oh, I know exactly what's happening and I hate it, right? Well, you know, we're slipping out of mindfulness in that moment and getting carried away with some of the thoughts and storylines that go on in our head. Wow. Okay. So this state of mind, and this is something that it has to be cultivated. It's not natural for most of us. Right, right. Uh, you know, kids are very present oriented. They're like in every moment. They're they're like, uh, you know, you think of your baby and they're like crawling around on the carpet and they're like, wow, carpet, right? <laughs> they're looking at every fiber. And so for us, we use the mental shortcut of it's carpet, right? But they're looking at there's this thing, it's got different colors, different, you know, fibers, right? They're not using language with it, but they're like, you can tell they're soaking up what this thing is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah. in some ways it's built into us and we just have to go back to it. But in other ways, yeah, our, our, our society and, and human instinct is to uh, stray from that. And so, yeah, it's definitely a learned skill to learn to come back to that uh, way of uh, experiencing the moment. Yeah, and what I mean, what happens to us, um, you know, I guess just uh, physically, emotionally, what happens to us when we are present, focused like that? Um, a lot of times, you know, when we're, I'll, I'll take a look at it from the other side. When we're not, that is te- when we tend to be reactive. Mm-hmm. That's when we tend to be symptomatic. That's when we tend to be unwell. And so, when we come back to the present moment what happens is that we shed a lot of the the faulty storylines that are running through our heads, um, all the assumptions that we're making. We come back out of, um, you know, if, if we're having a hard moment, right, our mind might be carried up in, this is the worst thing ever. When we become mindful, we say, oh, this is what it is. Good or bad doesn't really matter. This is what it is, Right. And uh, this is really important for us because it does help us to step out of those those symptoms and those uh, those uh, side effects of being mindless. And so, um, if you think about this, uh, this is a huge recovery skill because I would say um, that if we are um, either on the side of acting out an addiction, we're clearly not being fully present in what's actually happening, right? We're reacting, like we're being influenced by what's happening in the moment, um, but we're not um, observing it and noting what's going on. And same for, you know, um, on the other side of things, if we've got a loved one struggling with addiction, our own reactions can be equally strong. Yeah. And sometimes the the emotions that we experience, uh, they will hijack us or take over 
And to be mindful is to notice that they're there without being carried away by them. And that's really difficult, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when it's a loved one or yourself and there's consequences. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, the goal is not that we shouldn't feel anything, right? Mm -hmm. And, And mindfulness is actually more about accepting that we feel. It's just that when we um, slow it down to notice what's actually happening right here, right now, it gives us a little bit of space to then respond wisely. So, yeah, maybe we still, our anger is wisely telling us to set a boundary. Or, um, you know, maybe the the urges that we are having, we wisely, um, you know, have to step away from them, or we wisely... Um, you know, some, you know, eat the brownie sometimes it's okay. Right. Sometimes we do have to indulge those, those more benign desires. So it's not saying that we stop reacting or stop doing anything. And we just kind of, you know, float around observing life without participating. It's that we come back and we get grounded so that when we do take action, we have clarity from which to take that action. It's almost like, can, you know, can you get to a place by practicing mindfulness that maybe more in the moment you can respond the same way you might a day later. When yeah. you right, like when you're when you when you're like, oh my goodness, I should not have said that. Yeah, that that's was... a that's a great way of putting it. <laughs> so but it's really about closing that gap mm-hmm. so that you don't have to go back and clean things up. As right. Much. Right. You can actually do some of that work and have those healthier, non non-destructive, non-reactive responses closer to the moment it happens. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I'm you know, I've got a client right now, he's very angry with this sister who became, you know, pregnant uh, as a as a teenager. And he's got so much raw emotion and but he has enough perspective to know like, okay, but I know in time I'll settle down and I'll feel some <laughs> compassion for her because you know, this is hard for her too. Um, yeah. but there is that time period, and that's pretty natural, that's pretty human. But mindfulness is shortening that gap. And, and if we can get there in the moment, it's going to give us that clarity as soon as we arrive. Yeah, and probably preserve relationships. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was working with uh, one couple and um, uh, at, at a certain stage working more with the, the wife who had been betrayed by the, the husband's affairs mm-hmm. and um, you know would just feel the energy come up in her um, every time they hung out, right? Because they, they were co-parenting and they were actually considering coming back together in the relationship. But uh, um, anyway, so they, they did spend a fair amount of time together. And so we, we discussed mindfulness and she started to develop a, a meditation practice. Um, and um, she started to notice things like she was sleeping better, her emotions were less intense, less she was less reactive, and things just eased up for her. Mm-hmm. And um, and this is a common experience when we start to become mindful. I know when I started to develop mindfulness for myself, um, you know, man, my first two decades of life, I was totally mindless the whole time. <laughs> um, and so I was like, oh, there's a, there's a different way of like uh, being in this in this life, right? So um, it slowed me way down. It gave me a lot more space, and that's what happened for this woman as well. And if you think about it. Um, you know, if you can kind of picture yourself, I know we don't use phone booths in our society anymore, but if you per- picture yourself in a phone booth trying to tie your shoe, that's going to be really hard, right? You don't have a lot of maneuvering space. And so you can kind of bend down or like hunch over, but you you know, you kind of got to balance and lift the foot up to, you You know, it can be kind of tough in that tight space. And 
the same task if we're, you know, just in a bedroom, right, is so much easier. There's space to move around. We can put our body where we want to put our body. And mindfulness is that that tool or that technique to give ourselves emotionally and mentally more space so that we can move, maneuver more effectively. And even to do simple things, routine things, mm-hmm. like, you know, your example, tying your shoe. Right. But to even do routine things like talking to a child or mm-hmm. eating or going to sleep or other things like that that we do sort of mindlessly most right. of the time, it, mm-hmm. it gives us that space and actually helps us do them better. Right, right. So a lot of times, you know, um, I think some of my strongest moments of joy are, you know, like when I'm hanging out with my daughter and we're having a good time. And then all of a sudden I notice that I'm hanging out with my daughter and we're having a good time. Right. <laughs> um, in other words, like that, that spot in my brain where I can kind of almost like hop out and take a look and, and observe what's going on. And all of a sudden I recognize how good and beautiful that is. And so, yeah, even just ordinary moments, right, of just hanging out with our kids. You know, the other day I was, I was in my office and the sun was filtering down and, um, you know, it was just like a moment of, of beauty and, and I spend way too much time in that office, right? And so even those ordinary things take a new life when we start to look at them and actually notice how it, how it really is. Yeah, yeah. So this is a practice, Mm-hmm. This is something that isn't something you just think your way into. It's actually something that you have to experience. Right, right. And then, ironically enough, uh, thinking less helps, right? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's let's talk about how to, how to develop a mindfulness practice. I mm-hmm. mean, I assume you have some strategies, some yeah. tools. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if this is of interest to you, and I hope it is— um, there are a lot of resources and, um, you know, our Western society, we're kind of uh, starting to adopt, uh, you know, these uh, mindfulness ideas. Psychotherapy has been picking it up for the past several decades, um, you know, and the, a lot of our, our society, you'll, you'll see this kind of all over the place. And so yeah. the, the, the humorous side of that is we Americans have kind of consumerized mindfulness and uh, all of that. <laughs> Which I'm guessing the originators of it would probably be rolling over in their <laughs> yeah, graves. Right, right. Um, <laughs> but but the, the beauty of it, though, is that actually there are tons of resources. And so whatever channel um, channels you like to pursue, you know, if you're into podcasts, which I guess if you're listening to this, maybe you are. If you are, you know, usually on YouTube or if you like books, you're going to find stuff about mindfulness. And, and for me coming to an intellectual understanding was a good starting point for me. Um, but the reality is there's no, uh, there's no better way to practice mindfulness than by practicing it. So, um, so people practice this in all kinds of different ways. Meditation, I would say is the most, uh, common. And, uh, and so if you are interested in that, you can learn more about that. Like I said, on any of those channels, but mindfulness can be practiced. You don't have to be sitting down, you know, kind of in the, the classic monk pose or anything like that. Um, you can eat mindfully. You can uh, go on a walk and uh, do that mindfully. You can drive um, your, you know, commute to work mindfully. And so, again, it's, mm-hmm. it's all about finding, just reminding yourself to come back to that state of mind every time you realize you're not there. And it can be as simple as that, but uh, typically when I'm working with uh, people, 
in developing mindfulness, uh, one of the easiest starting places is um, I'll have them look up an app on their phone and um, start using some free guided meditations. Okay. And so Headspace is a great app um, that's got some free meditations. It's got like a beginner's course. They do a good job explaining what's going on too. They've got like these uh, videos and animations that illustrate the concepts. And then you just simply listen to a guy walk you through a meditation. And there are other apps. Um, Calm is another one. Uh, Insight Timer. And so you can kind of look around, and that might be a really good starting point for for most people. Just to have that guidance and structure so that you don't have to just sit there with a blank mind wondering what to do. Right, yeah. They walk you through it. Yeah, a lot of people are like, uh, am I doing this Like, right? where do I start? How does yeah. this work? Yeah. What, okay. what should I be doing right now? So, yeah, um, I think having a guide of some kind is going to be really helpful for okay. that. Okay, good. Um, and, uh, in fact... Um, we can kind of even practice right now. Again, it can be yeah. as simple as dropping into it at any moment, um, and it can be as complex as we make it. But um, so a technique um, I've developed the uh, the three by f- uh, the three by three, and uh, you know the the principles of this is ancient. It's just kind of my packaging around it. That's uh, that's my own. Um, but the three by three, there are three things um, that I want you to pay attention to. And uh, first and foremost, um, you know, assuming it's safe and you don't uh, veer off the side of the road or anything. <laughs> don't uh, do this while you're driving. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> uh, just do it wisely while you're driving. You could probably pull it off. But okay. Um, just notice three things visually around you. Um, just go ahead and look around. And um, there might be things that have been there the whole time that you haven't really given focus to, Right. So just look around your environment and notice something that's been there the whole time that you hadn't been aware of. Just become aware of it. And so um, you can just kind of mentally tag, okay, you know, uh, pencil on the desk or, um, you know, shadow in the corner of the room or whatever it is. Um, but you can also kind of start to notice the quality of it. You know, it's general uh, 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 shape, size, uh, color, whatever it is, just kind of notice uh, things about those those three things. So, um, as you notice those, you're becoming more mindful of the the environment around you. Now, go ahead and um, notice three sounds that are happening around you. So, just take a second right now and just kind of listen in. This one might be a little trickier. But see if you can notice these things may have simply been background and they were there the whole time. But again, we're just bringing more awareness to it. And again, noticing what it is is part of it, identifying it, but also just feeling out the quality of it, right? And uh, and then three sensations in your body, right? See if you can notice three different things that you're physically feeling in your body, in or on your body. And so you can kind of mentally, uh, you know, run the spotlight along your body and just notice kind of those things. So, you know, are you cold or warm? What's it like to have the chair press against, you know, your backside? Um, you know, do you have some tension, some, some uh, muscle tension somewhere in your body? You feeling just warm and relaxed and pleasant, right? So just noticing three different things. Now, this is a simple practice. This three by three 
And uh, if if you just uh, were to get into a practice, set a reminder on your phone for a couple of times a day, and uh, you know, in twelve step they've got the the uh, ten to six tool where they do a, a mental check in at ten o'clock, two o'clock, and six o'clock. You could do something similar here. Point being, however you do it, the details don't so much matter so long as you start to pay more attention to what's happening around you. So Yeah, that's great. And that's a really simple exercise. And so you can write that three by three exercise down and like you said, practice it on a regular basis, even set an alarm on your phone right. to pause and do that. And and the discipline of doing that, the the willingness to actually do it and practice it, you'll notice immediate improvements, right? Right, right. I mean, so in the feel short better. Yeah. yeah, in the short term, a lot of people, especially if you do a, a like a, a full ten minute uh, mindfulness meditation, man, you, you just feel like good afterward. Your body's relaxed, right? You, you feel <laughs> yeah. zened out. And so there's some short-term benefits. And then if you stick with it, if you develop the skill, and if you implement it into your daily life, you'll start to notice the long-term benefits. And the ones that are particularly relevant um, in terms of addiction recovery and, and healing from material trauma, um, mindfulness, research has shown mindfulness to uh, be effective in um, – preventing relapse. Like those that practice 10 minutes of mindfulness each day, their rates of relapse dropped compared to a control group who did not practice mindfulness. Um, and then it's also linked um, with uh, a lot of research to improved emotional regulation, improved uh, relationship uh, interactions and things like that. And so uh, not to mention things like health benefits and, and other things. Mindfulness, um, I don't want to like you know, I don't want to pretend that this is a, the cure-all for, for all of everyone's problems or anything like that. But the point is that this, um, in an, a general way, just makes all of life better. Like bringing mindfulness to anything will improve it. So Yeah, and I think, I think in terms of it, you know, obviously there's no, there's no silver bullet for, you know, magic bullet for anything. But this is, this is definitely a resource to help strengthen you so that you can do your best thinking, so you mm -hmm. can do your best relating and you can see things coming sooner in terms of cravings and, and early, you know, detection types of things. Like this is, this is a resource to slow things down so you can actually respond in healthy ways. Right. And then all the other tools you're working on are just easier to use. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it gives you more space. You still have to do the work, right? Yep. You still have to, to practice other techniques and tools. Um, but again, going back to that analogy, like you're moving out of the phone, the phone booth and into the bedroom, like you have more space to maneuver. So it just helps in a general way. Yeah. I love that. Now you want, now you've like tempted me to go find a phone booth. I don't know if I could find one anywhere and see if I could tie my shoes in it. Right. I know there's gotta be some other, like, <laughs> I guess closet might be a more yeah, salient so. example. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, if you watch old movies from the seventies uh, or eighties, you'll, you'll see phone booths. Mm -hmm. Yep. For sure. No, that's so helpful, Taylor. That's great. Um, mindfulness is something that I think even is practiced in a lot of, you know, religious practices as well. You know, right. prayer, um, worship, services, temple. There's just lots of places where people go to try and commune, but your mind can still be racing and going fast in those those settings. And this is an opportunity to practice this anywhere you are. Right. You can practice it in the middle of a busy street. You can practice it um, you know, in the library, you can practice it in church, you can practice it anywhere. Right. It's about noticing, making space and slowing things down. So your external environment really isn't like, doesn't necessarily, 
you can't control that per se. Right. But you can do something about internally what's going on for you. Right. To right. Slow things down. Yeah. What's the? Uh, I'm gonna get this wrong. The the old. Uh, is it an old Buddhist uh, idiom? You you can't uh, carpet the whole world, um, but you can wear slippers or something like that. Yeah. In other words, trying to go about changing our external environment constantly is just an impossible task. But if we set ourselves up right, it will be as if we have changed the rest of the world. Yeah, I love that. That sounds very Buddhist. Yeah. That's perfect. We'll, we'll call it we'll Buddhist. We'll give it to the Buddhists, right? <laughs> That's great. So there's some resources that you uh, you shared with me. There's uh, the book by Russ Harris, The Happiness Trap, yep. Tara Brock, mm-hmm. and uh, how do you pronounce it? Uh, I, you, you hear it all <laughs> kinds of different ways. So uh, Pema Chodron is a, uh, a Buddhist uh, okay. teacher. And she's written a lot of uh, best-selling books. And um, um, When Things Fall Apart um, is the one I've read from her and uh, has a great description of how we manage difficult times using some of these ideas. Uh, Tara Brock is a psychotherapist and also a Buddhist teacher. And she's got – I listen to her podcast all the time, and she's got a book – a couple of books out – uh, I think they're called, let's see, True Refuge and uh, Radical Acceptance. Okay. And so, and then Russ Harris wrote a book called The Happiness Trap. Anyway, these are, yeah, just a collection of resources for those who are interested in learning more. These these people have described it in really impressive um, ways that, that can help you kind of implement it into your life. So. I love it. Thank you so much. Hopefully this has been useful to you. And thank you, Taylor, for taking time to come and teach us about this and give us some actual exercises that we can practice. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to learn more about Taylor and his practice and his other writings, you can find him at taylorjchambers.com. And like I mentioned in the previous episode that he was on, he does have a family assessment for helping you develop a porn-resilient family environment. And uh, you can go to his website and download that there and then be on his mailing list and learn about other things that he's developing and offering in his practice. So I want to thank Taylor for joining me on the Illuminate podcast and sharing his wisdom. And I appreciate you as well listening and encourage you to share and like and comment on anything that you find helpful uh, with this podcast. And I look forward to joining you on the next episode of the podcast. Thank you.